Old Testament lesson for this day is from the 43rd chapter of Isaiah, starting with verse 10. You are my witnesses, declares the Lord, and my servant whom I have chosen, so that you may know and believe me and understand that I am he. Before me no God was formed, nor will there ever be one after me. I, even I, am the Lord, and apart from me there is no Savior. I have revealed and saved and proclaimed. I, and not some foreign God among you, you are my witnesses, declares the Lord, that I am God. Yes, and from ancient days I am he. No one can deliver out of my hand. When I act, who can reverse it? This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Our psalmody today is responsive reading from Psalm 113. Praise the Lord. Praise, O servants of the Lord. Praise the name of the Lord. Blessed be the name of the Lord from this time forth and forevermore. From the rising of the sun to its setting, the name of the Lord is to be praised. The Lord is high above all nations and his glory above the heavens. Who is like the Lord our God? Who is seated on high? Who looks far down on the heavens and the earth? He raises the poor from the dust and lifts the needy from the ash heap to make them sit with princes, with the princes of his people. He gives the barren woman a home, making her the joyous mother of children. Praise the Lord. Glory be to the Father and to the Son and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now, and will be forever. Amen. Our second reading, also serving as the text for our message today, is from the last book of the Bible, Revelation chapter 22. Jesus says, Behold, I am coming soon. My reward is with me, and I will give to everyone according to what he has done. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the first and the last, the beginning and the end. Blessed are those who wash their robes, that they may have the right to the tree of life and may go through the gates into the city. Outside of the dogs, those who practice magic arts, sexual immorality, the murderers, the idolaters, and everyone who loves and practices falsehood. I, Jesus, have sent my angel to give you this testimony for the churches. I am the root and the offspring of David and the bright morning star. The spirit and the bride say, come, and let him who has ears say, come. Whoever is thirsty, let him come, and whoever wishes, let him take the free gift of the water of life. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. The Holy Gospel from the first chapter, according to St. John, chapter 1. Glory to you, O Lord. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through him all things were made. Without him nothing was made that has been made. In him was life, and that life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, but the darkness has not understood it. There came a man who was sent from God. His name was John. He came as a witness to testify concerning that light, so that through him all men might believe. He himself was not the light. He came only as a witness to the light. This is the gospel of the Lord. 
Praise to you, O Christ. Grace, mercy, and peace be to you from God, our eternal Father, and our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. There's a bunch of funny words that, that give you an idea what they mean, but that mean different things to different people. I'll give you an, an example. Have you ever been cooking w- with somebody and they said, oh, just put a smidge of this in there, right? Or how about a dollop, right? At what point am I putting too much in that it's going to ruin the recipe? Is there a certain amount where, where I, if I don't put in enough, you're not going to taste it, right? What, what does it mean? Or how about this? What, what, if, what if someone says, yeah, I'll be there in just a second? You know it's going to be a lot more than a second, but how long is it? Or when someone says, I'll be down in, I'll be down in a minute. Is that 60 seconds? Is that, is that five minutes? Is it 15? Is it 30? Like those words can mean different things to different people. Just before Jesus ascended into heaven, he told his disciples that he would surely be with them, even to the end of the age. And at the beginning of our reading from the end of Revelation today, Jesus said, look, I am coming soon. Soon. And yet, here we sit, waiting. Is he coming soon? Is he always with us the way that he promised he would be? There's a couple different ways of looking at this. And, and this first one we're going to look at, let's, let's just call it soon, but not yet. Since before God created the world, created the universe, since, since even before that, before time came into existence, God the Father knew that he would send his Son. And then for hundreds and thousands of years, it was going to happen soon. But how soon? You and I, we can't, we can't grasp the idea of eternity or, or infinity. Like, we can't grasp what a moment is like from the vantage point of an eternal God. In Ecclesiastes chapter 3, verse 11, it says this, God has set eternity in the human heart, yet no one can fathom what God has done from beginning to end. God has put eternity in our hearts. We yearn for the eternity that is God, but we have no way of fathoming what God has done from beginning to end. The Apostle Peter in the New Testament, quoting Psalm 90, said this, With the Lord, a day is like a thousand years, and a thousand years are like a day. From God's point of view, an entire generation here on earth is probably gone during his lunch break. And yet, Galatians chapter 4, we, we read this verse often around Christmas, that when the time had fully come, soon had finally come to fruition, God sent his son to be born of a woman, God in flesh. God came down into our timeline, out of infinity, into time. And then for 33 years, give or take, he walked the earth. To God, it was but a few minutes. And then Jesus died. Jesus rose again. 
and Jesus ascended into heaven, where before he left, he said, I will be with you always. And here we wait, 2,000 years down the pike. Even so, Lord Jesus, quickly come. You said it would be soon, Jesus. Soon, but not yet. It's another way that, that, we can, that we can look at things as well, and it's soon now. Because Jesus did ascend into heaven. The resurrected physical body of Jesus ascended into heaven, left the earth, and yet he promised that he would be with us always. Now, Jesus has not let go of his promise, and I want to make sure that we understand this isn't some bait and switch, okay? Because within days after he ascended into heaven, he poured out his Holy Spirit upon all believers. So now the Spirit, the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of Jesus, not only dwells with us, but dwells in us. He will always be with us. He is present in, in his word. We can meet him weekly as we worship. We can meet, meet him daily in our personal devotions because Jesus will be with us always in his word. We can talk to him in prayer. Just like having a conversation with, with a friend or, or a loved one, we can speak to him and pour out our heart to him and he hears us. Jesus will be with us always. He is present in the church. That's, that's you and me together. Because the church, in, in some mystical and, and metaphysical way, is both the bride of Christ, but it's also the body of Christ. Jesus said, I will be with you always. And then he is, he is present with us in his supper. His body and blood, in, with, and under the bread and the wine. And I love the words that Martin Luther uses to describe this. He is present truly and essentially. And the body and blood of Jesus that we eat and we drink is not the body and blood of a dead Jesus. No, it's the body and blood of, of the living, reigning, and returning Jesus. I will be with you always. Soon but not yet. Soon now. And then here we are in the soon now and not yet. Our, our reading today comes from the very last chapter of the book of Revelation, the very last chapter of the Bible. And Jesus says, look, I am coming soon. And then he says, I am the Alpha and the Omega, the first and the last, the beginning and the end. We could take those three divine titles and there would at least be three separate sermons, if not more. And what's amazing is that God the Father, he uses two of those titles to describe himself. He calls himself the Alpha and the Omega. God the Father calls himself the beginning and the end. So Jesus here at the end of Revelation saying, I am the Alpha and the Omega. I am the beginning and the end. Jesus is driving home the point that he is none other than God. 
And when Jesus says, I am the Alpha and the Omega, he is saying that that before even, even the entire universe was created, he was. There was never a time where he wasn't. And he's the Omega. He'll be there long before there's even an end of anything. He exceeds creation. In saying that he is the beginning and the end, it means that, that he was the agent through which, through which God created the world. When God spoke the words, let there be light, Jesus, the very word of God, was there creating things. And Jesus will be there at the end of creation. And Jesus rising from the tomb was the end of the old creation and the beginning of the new creation. And Jesus is the beginning and the end. But that second title, the first and the last, nobody else uses that title except for Jesus. Jesus is the first. He he was the firstborn over all creation, always the, the Son of God, even before he was born in the flesh of Mary. And he's the firstborn of the new creation as he rose from the dead, showing us what our resurrection is gonna be like. And he's the first, he's the beginning of the church. And he's the last, he's the end, the goal, the purpose of the church. And it's important to realize, especially today, as as we look at Jesus' promise to always be with us, Jesus isn't isn't merely the extremes, the alpha and the omega, the first and the last, the beginning and the end. Jesus is everywhere in between. He is always with us. Look, behold, I am coming soon. It's not soon the way that we understand it. It's not, it's not soon according to the timeline that we would like. But it's soon according to God's viewpoint. And not too soon because God is patient, not wanting any to perish. And Jesus said, I am coming with my reward. Not our reward, but his reward. His reward that he earned, that he then gives to the faithful. And that reward is is that our salvation, which we already have now, is ultimately fulfilled. And in that ultimate fulfillment, we will have access to the gates of the holy city that he will give us the right to. He gives us authority over the tree of life. That the curse from the garden, the curse from our sin, is completely undone. But there's a hard section right after that where where Jesus talks about, about the people on the other side of the gate. He says, outside are the dogs, the sorcerers, the sexually immoral, the murderers, the idolaters, and everyone who loves and practices falsehood. Jesus gives this short laundry list of evildoers, a list that without Jesus we would fall into, a list of people who are outside the gate, who are never to come in, who are eternally cut off from the tree of life, as it has been since man was expelled from the garden. Brothers and sisters, this this verse is devastating to think that there are people who might not make it in 
to eternal life with God. When I was little and I was waiting for someone to, uh, to come to our house, maybe it was my dad coming home from work or um, a cousin or friend coming over for, for a party or, or just to hang out, I would go to the front window of our house and I would stand there and I would look down the street and I would say, Pa, where are you? I was a pretty special kid. And I would call their name. I would, I would ask where they were and I would do this over and over and over again until they finally showed up, until their car pulled into the driveway. And I would say, look, I kept on calling them at the window and they came. It's all because of me. What I was doing was really no different than standing in the lobby of an elevator and pressing the button over and over again, thinking it's going to make the car come that much more quickly. But there's something to that anticipation. There's, there's something to looking forward to them arriving and calling them to show up that makes their arrival that much more sweet. So come. John has a section of, of, of our reading today that's an encouragement for us after Jesus' speech about the end. He says, both the Spirit and the Bride say come. The Holy Spirit and Jesus' Bride, the church, we say come. We stand there and we, we keep calling out the window. We keep pressing the elevator button. You said soon, Jesus. Come, show up. Let those who hear say come. As we call and we look to the heavens for Jesus' return, Others will see us, and God willing, they will join in. Maybe it, it will remind other Christians that this is not the end, and that there's more to come. Maybe the world will see the hope and anticipation that the church has. Not for this world to end, but for the next eternal world to begin. Not, not for us to be removed from this world, but for the next world to begin. And they are invited. Our calling out to Jesus to come is an invitation to those who might otherwise be left outside the gate, eternally separated from the tree of life and, and, and the stream of living water that flows freely from it. Our call of Jesus to come is a prayer to him. Our call for Jesus to come is an invitation for the lost. Because whether we understand it or realize it or not, we don't have much time. Because they don't have much time. Brothers and sisters, Jesus is always with us. Not yet, but yet now now and not yet, but he is with us in all the places where he promised to be. And we can join with the Spirit and the Bride and say, come. Jesus is always with us, and Jesus is coming soon. In his name we pray. Amen.